Welcome to Alcoholics Alive. All of our hosts and guests are recovered members of Alcoholics Anonymous, but they do not speak for Alcoholics Anonymous, nor do they get paid to participate. Here are your hosts, Shank and Wayne. Well, Shank, we're back for episode seven. We're back. I was just, we're back. I was just thinking that the, uh, the book says that we'll be amazed before we're halfway through and, uh, we're before halfway through. So have you been amazed? Not yet. <laughs> Not yet. Me either. <laughs> Not yet. We're getting uh, there we're, though. We're getting close, aren't we? We are. Maybe after this episode with, uh, with this great guest, maybe we will be amazed then. And we'll be halfway through at that point, right? We'll be done with six. I know for sure I'm going to be amazed. Yeah, I think that's probably right. Who is our guest today? Like, I don't know. We have know. Debbie. Welcome, Debbie. Hi, guys. How's it going? Good. This is plain old Debbie, and I'm an alcoholic. <laughs> All right. Debbie, All right, tell Debbie. us about well, thank you for having me on your podcast. Um, I was reflecting in meditation or after meditation, I should say this morning, thinking about, you know, how I got here and how I lived through it all. <clears throat> and um, you don't remember sometimes much about what people said, but you remember the trauma you went through. And one of the trauma things was the first me meeting I went to. I was just, it was trauma. It was trauma. And uh but I did hear one thing that I was offended by, and that was uh, this program isn't for wimps. Now, I was also in treatment at the same time I went to an <laughs> AA meeting. So I preferred to stay in treatment. Going to an AA meeting was not an option, but they forced me to. And so I did. <clears throat> and this guy, uh, I'm from Lexington, Kentucky. That's where I got sober. And I now live in Wilmington, North Carolina. And my sobriety date is February 5th, 1992. I'm nice. 59 years old. I got sober when I was 28. And I've never had to take a drink uh, from the first time I came into AA. Now, I have been meeting more people. Uh, well, no, I haven't. Um, I've met a lot of people that have to go out and, and retry it uh, again to make sure this is what they want to do. But I think I'd had enough. Uh, I don't know. I don't know why I didn't have to go back out. But that first meeting, um, the Thursday night original group is what it was called. And <clears throat> traumatized. Oh, you know, yeah, it was Thursday night original group. I went, there were two women in the meeting. It was a bunch of old men. And uh, they were loud and boisterous. And it was not for me. And But I did get talked into going to a Saturday morning. And I remember going to that meeting and there was a fella in the meeting falling asleep. And I'm thinking, how dare he fall asleep? I mean, there's a <laughs> hundred people in this meeting. And I'm like, I guess, I guess it's not important. I don't know. Um, but I remember this little tiny woman. Um, she's long past, but I loved her. Her name was Winoka. And she would come up to me and she was a, a former Pentecostal preacher and she says God's got something in store for nice. you <laughs> she would say it just like that and uh, I expected rattlesnakes or something to come around yeah. and uh <clears throat> anyway each little thing got me to my next meeting now 
trying to find a sponsor. You know, there's a lot of stuff in there that we could mention. And I'm just throwing out there what came up to get me, get me my four or five minutes here. Um, I, I, finding a sponsor. I've had 13 sponsors in my life. Nice. Every one Damn, of them. I know. And I wow. stayed sober through it all. I know 13. And everybody had something to offer, some longer than others. Uh-huh. And um, I've had two male sponsors. I mean, I guess I need to qualify for all the sponsors. I don't know. Um, but the first sponsor I got, they, they, the people would tell me, I had women surrounding me, don't get, don't get divorced, don't get married, don't date, don't do all this stuff. I was like, whatever. But this one woman, um, they were like, you need to find someone that has what you want you know, something you want what they have. And so I did, and I had six candidates and <clears throat> they all had different things, but she had a new Cadillac and a tanning bed. <laughs> nice. Exactly what I wanted. I mean, okay. Right. Yeah. That's, That's on page her. 71 in the book, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> Get a suntan. Um, so we started through the steps, but we weren't using the big book. <clears throat> we were using that other book that we have that can be great for topics in a meeting. And uh, we ended up uh, getting all the way. And the fourth step, it's still vague. I mean, I probably wrote 10 pages of various things, trying to form something out of it. I read it to her. S step six was like, oh yeah. And then she goes, well, I've never gone past step seven. And wow. I was probably six months sober, maybe four months sober, something like that. So I'm like, well, uh, all I remember thinking is I've put my life in her hands and I've admitted all this stuff. Now, there was a lot more anyway that needed to be admitted. <clears throat> and there was this woman who was married to this man, George. Jerry, did you meet George? George, yeah, I know George. George walked around with his big book and I, we got sober almost the same time and he'd walk around that big book and he'd start reading out of that big book. And I would say, God, if he reads out of that again, it's going to drive me crazy. <laughs> and um, George and I were kind of not like we butted heads in the beginning, but I knew, if, I knew his story. And if his wife was sober and put up with him, she's probably going to be a good, um, a good sponsor. So I, I sought her out. And I kept trying to go through the steps by myself. And I had a list of things that I wanted to make amends for. Now I was doing this on my own, thinking this is the right thing. And I called her and she goes, well, I can't sponsor you, but you can call me anytime. And she's sweet and just the sweetest woman. And we still have a great relationship. And so I, uh, she said, I, she gave me permission, which uh, I called her every day then. And I said, well, I want to read you this about this person. I don't want to make amends for, what do you think? Finally, after, I don't know, so many days, she said, okay, I'll sponsor you. And she set me out on another journey. And then um, my sobriety actually started taking off from there and experiencing what I truly wanted was peace and freedom, not just to be without alcohol. Hmm. I mean, if I can't have that, just give me the vodka, please. Because mm -hmm. I know the alcohol in the brain, it's still there. It's still there. That's why I continue to go through the steps, but I got to have that peace and freedom. And um, I heard y'all talking about that a lot uh, since I've been listening. How's that? That was great. I mean, yes. 
Shank, what is the topic today? The topic today hey, is Debbie, we're six. glad you got sober, by the way. That, yes. that's, Thank yeah. you. <laughs> Me too. The topic today is step six, which is we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. And it sounds like, Debbie, um, you did this step maybe on your own to get to the point where you were making amends. Well, um, it's really easy to go in there and answer the question when you don't have anybody helping you. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, it's objectionable. Yeah, I treated people like crap. Yeah. Okay, let's move on. Let's say the prayer. And keep moving on. I mean, if you really don't have insight, just like the insight somebody new needs to hear my story or your story about their step one. In other words, having to share what got me into AA, um, I, I needed to hear somebody with their sixth step. Now, the sixth step is a game changer, and people don't realize this will change your whole life. This is almost like Step three, where step three, you came to believe. This is like, okay, now that you believe and you've done all this work, are you willing to change? And um, so this is this is a game changer for me. So I'll stop. So, well, it's a good question. So, or that's a good point. So when you took the steps, like the first time, I guess, out of the book, what did you do for step six? Nothing, but... But I didn't get much out of it either. Right. <laughs> so, but when I first really got to work this step, um, thank God I don't burn my um, inventories or my sex idea. And I don't burn my fear inventory and I don't burn my sex inventory. Did I say sex inventory or the sex idea? Yeah. We Those got are you. important. <laughs> Those are important. <laughs> we want you to read them before the show's over. That's right. <laughs> we are curious. Yeah, right. Well, let's go through A to Z. <clears throat> so when when you're looking at things, so I had a sponsor. This is So I kind of had sometimes two or three sponsors at one time, and they all would work together. And they would tell me, they would give me instructions. I had a lot of criminal history. And so they would work closely together to tell me one of them was some of our friends um, and how I matched. It's a miracle that I even got these people in my life, but that's a whole nother story. But they would say things like, let's lo look at your fourth step and let's find out the objectionable things like being dishonest. Is it objectionable? Yeah, because it harmed the hell out of people. Um, all the fears that I had that were harmful, all the... Um, well, this is one that I, I had to think about. Because I don't have a good memory, guys. Um, oh, yeah. Being told I was a control freak. Hmm. I know. I don't remember how. What I, <laughs> So I no longer attach. This is important stuff to me. So I no longer attach what's objectionable to the resentment. I just know it exists within me, right? So I'm looking at this going, God, you know, help me to be willing without this. Help me to be willing. And it's like, okay, I'm going on. I was told, I was told to carry my list around. I kept a list of my objectionable stuff because I didn't get it really. I thought once you talk about it and you let it go, it's gone. It's done. You're never going to do this again. Well, I didn't, that's not the case. <laughs> so having this objectionable little jealousy. I was working in an environment. It was all men. And I was the only woman and jealousy being, I was out and I did construction work. <clears throat> I was always given the jobs that 
that nobody else wanted. Yeah, so I felt like I was getting beat up on at work. So, but what happened when I started praying and asking God to remove these things that were objectionable, like take this jealousy that, that shows up. What happened is I realized that I have jobs that I can do. This affected my life 30 years later. I have jobs that I can do because I was given the hard job. I was, I gained a whole new idea. I'm like, God, they didn't even get that. I did. Today, I specialize in these kind of difficult jobs mm -hmm. and I'm rewarded for it. And I'm grateful. I'm so blessed. Now, <clears throat> the, the control freak thing, you know, everybody says, oh, she's just trying to control everything. Whatever. Okay. Maybe, maybe there's some of that in there. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing about, it's, it's really a thin line when you're using prayer to ask God to move these things. Because sometimes when you're, when you're looking at, if it's objectionable, now I'm trying to stay out of seven because this, this is when it starts becoming objectionable, you man. You can do it. You want to you want to roll right in there and get rid of that shit. Mm -hmm. So object objectionable. You got a bleeping thing. You got to bleep that out. No, we'll let you cuss. So so there was um, a prayer, or I don't know if it came in meditation, but somebody one day we were all a bunch of alcoholics having their you know meal after a meeting. And we're all talking about going to a movie together and nobody can make up their damn mind. I mean, okay. You put a bunch of us together. You can't make up, a, you can't make up your mind, which restaurant to go to. You can't make up your mind, which movie to go to It's always this. And I realized that I could make up my mind. I became decisive. <laughs> so it was about, it was about being undecisive and being decisive. Now I thought it was a bad thing. Mm -hmm. Somebody explained to me, Debbie, if I send you to war, I want you to be decisive. If I send you to work, I want you to be decisive at this. At, at a, yep. And so I realized that some of my character defects were objectionable to how they were, but I was abusing them. One of the things might be, I need to be a little more decisive and it may not be uh, popular with most people. Hmm. And so then it turns into, oh, you're afraid of what people think. And, you know, and it goes on and on because then you got a whole fear inventory you got to look at too. So um, I became ready. Are you ready to let God remove from us all the things which we have admitted are objectionable? And it doesn't take long when you start because you just hold on to that for a week. I held on to it for a week and amazing things. There was a coworker. I told you that he was going to try and get my job. I was training him. And by God, I know he was wanting my job. So I would like, you know, wouldn't give him all, quite all the information because I'm just not going to make him that good. And after this stuff started happening, I realized that when I'm like, he really is a nice guy. And it changed my outlook on people. And it changed my outlook how I want to treat people and be kind. All out of this one little tiny paragraph that we all just overlook. If I still cling to something, we will not let go. We ask God to help us be willing. And so there's prayer in here, except I had to pray it more than, you know, once. I had to hold on to it and look at right. it and observe it and chew on it. And yeah, some of y'all may be able to get by five minutes with it, but not me. So would we call that the six step prayer? Yeah. 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 
Yeah, I, I, I absolutely would call it a six step prayer. And, you know, and then it moves you right into the seventh step. Boy, it's hard to t- not talk about the seventh step, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm sure you're going to have somebody fantastic to share that. Shank. So they were going to give you a, just a little bit of a break. So Shank, you took the steps the first time kind of, well, you were either in a, an asylum or a, or a, <laughs> a maximum security prison. You're correct. I was in a prison. Yes. Yeah. How'd that work out for you? You know, can you, when actually, I, can you actually take the step in the prison? You can, you can take all of the steps in prison. Uh, much, uh, it was news to me because I had read ahead and already decided that I wasn't going to be able to do a lot of this. Um, mostly because it wasn't going to be fair to me to not have someone right there with me, but I was told, you know, uh, Debbie, I appreciate you saying that you had several sponsors at once. I don't know if that's the recommended method, but I had so many people. I was a group project. There were many people writing me that I was calling who were coming to visit that really, um, helped me. But when it got to this, when it got to, to this step, you know, I, and I know I've said this on the podcast before, I just thought I was missing something. So, you know, it was explained to me that I would go back through four and five and find the things that are objectionable to me. And all of them came back down to some kind of fear, you know. Um, It wasn't until I got out of prison, sat down in front of a woman working the steps who told me what all of my character defects were. She wrote them down for me and handed me a list that I started to kind of question if maybe the way I had done it the first time was like better, you know, because I just didn't feel, uh, I just felt very odd about it. You know, like I think there were a few year period that I was in the cult of AA and before everyone listening, like has a panic attack. I'm not saying that AA is a cult, but I am saying that it can get culty. Like there are some things that are a little, a little odd when it comes to things that are not in the book. Um, So I can say after I did it, maybe not the way the book says, I understood that what is in the book is probably the most appropriate for me. Shake, I want to see that list that they gave you. I want to check it and make sure it's accurate. Uh, I probably still have it. I'm sure you did. I'll bring it to you. Yeah, It could be accurate. Yeah. I'm not saying it wasn't accurate. I'm just saying yeah. Yeah. I did not really feel that responsible for those. I didn't feel that. I don't know. It was just given to me. Like, here are your character defects. Work on the opposite of these, Susie. Work on the opposites. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. right. That's popular. You didn't read any other books like Ripple Effect or Back to Basics or anything like that. The The, the best one is I've got there around here. There's this thing where you have to when you get to step six. After you do your fifth step, you got to call like seven people that have had experience with step six and seven and get their experience before they'll let you move on with your eighth step. That's a little goofy there. So if you're in that, stop doing it. So the first time. I don't understand it. Yeah. I, um, my experience with this was when I did the fifth step. I was, you know, again, I don't remember exactly. I was sober four weeks, five weeks. And 
I was just told to go back and after I got done and sit quiet for a little while and reflect on what I did and to read the the paragraph there that Debbie read and it, that it was really more of a question. Hey, are you willing to change? And it was kind of a, 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 a confirmation or affirmation that I, you know, that I took in the previous steps that I want to try to change. And I want to try to turn my life over to, to the care of God. And, you know, I just said a prayer and moved on. It, it, it didn't, it was, it was no big uh, event. Nobody gave me any, any list of stuff. And I just kind of moved on. Um, I'm curious. Now I would later have some different thoughts about all that. Although I think that was probably the, the, the actual right way out of the, what the book talks about. But I'm curious, Deb, what do you think about, um, so how long does it take to do step six? That's kind of a loaded question, but I mean, I think it's going to take as long as you. So, and and that's a good question because I, or I guess a better way I to ask it would be in a week. I saw a change in a week. I had a list of my objectionable, you know what? It's like, everything has to become obje- objectionable. Do you hang on to anything? And there are sometimes I saw some stuff I wanted to hang on to. I don't want to give up my job to the guy I'm training. Right? No, no, screw him. But I saw what my, what my fear did and I was not kind to him. So yeah, it has to become objectionable because it ain't going to, it ain't going to end up good. So, but I wouldn't have seen that stuff and it wouldn't have become Mm -hmm. objectionable if I didn't have a little time to use that in prayer. So, and I mean, I've done it both ways and keeping those, keeping that and giving some, maybe directing some, some prayer time. So the people that I sponsor, because that was effective, (coughs) because it was effective, I give them information like, okay, take two days, do some prayer work with this. And if it seems like that you're good and everything's good, (coughs) excuse me, then let's move on. Step seven. But I don't think there's a set time. Um, not forever. And I don't think like months. Like, right. oh my God, it's taking me forever to do step six. I'm like, no, it don't work like that. <clears throat> I think you'll start seeing the change when the objectionable things come alive. You're praying. This is our faith. Our faith is really showing in our prayer. I mean, we, we've done a lot up to this point. And we, we took a commitment that we're willing to do this. And I'm the one that had to call the sponsor back going, I left out some things. And those very things that I left out that were objectionable, I already knew they were objectionable. 31 years later, have everything to do with that in my life today. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to miss anything. That's why it all becomes so connected, whether it was, you know, 30 years ago or, or yesterday or something, if I get to go through the steps with somebody and and share that, you know, somebody will like, okay, it's all objectionable. Let's move on. It's like, well, we get, we get intuitively knowing too. Right. 
I don't know about that. There always seems to be a boyfriend on the other end of that phone. (laughs) (laughs) I think through going through, you know, steps one through five, certainly, but especially four and five, you know, I didn't have a 10 page fourth step list. I didn't have a 10 hour first fifth step, but it was very clear to me that, um, I had a lot of objectionable traits, defects, uh, you know, so once I got to the sixth step, I was just like, yes, I'm ready. Take it all. That doesn't mean that it was all taken. Um, but I can even tell I'm, I like that you brought up being decisive because I'm someone that is very decisive and I've always just seen that other people see that as a negative character trait. It's mean. It's mean. You don't care. You don't care about others' feelings. You don't take time to reflect or think about things. Um, And so it is something recently that I went back through the steps with my sponsor because it was coming up on a 10th step. Just I have a question. Yeah. Why do you think that everything is not removed? through four and five yeah, coming up to six and seven mm-hmm. when you're well when you're looking at this and, and everything is not objectionable or everything how did you put you put it when things everything's objectionable not everything gets removed right and not it doesn't get removed permanently necessarily like I'm still a human being who's gonna have faults who's gonna fall back into you know, I don't know if it's just like the monotony of daily life or maybe not looking as closely at getting comfortable probably and things that I'm doing or not doing. I found out I was decisive because I thought it wasn't <laughs> being removed. Yes. Easy. There's things there. Don't miss them. Yeah. Yeah. There's things there. They don't get removed for a reason. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. And you know, maybe yeah. you'll get to have that experience in your next six step. Oh, just, yeah. I'm so loved by God. He'll let me keep that shit. (laughs) Well, there, there you have it. Amen, sister. (laughs) Hmm. Well, here's one for you. Let's hear it. So is it necessary to read other books to work step six? So you know, a lot of times you'll hear that, well, you got to go read, um, you know, drop the rock or, uh, path to serenity, or there's other books that, that are kind of given to people to read and that they you know, either can't move forward until they read them or that that actually like helps them take step six. Um, I don't know what anybody's thoughts are on that. I mean, that's, I've never, I've never been told to read any of that stuff. Um, well, have you read it? I have because I wanted to see what people were talking about. Mm-hmm. I didn't read it to actually, because I thought I had to take the steps, but I, I want to be knowledgeable when I, you know, talk about something or explain to somebody why they may not need to do that. I don't want to do that out of just because, you know, I, I like criticizing stuff. I do it because I actually want to have, some knowledge and some experience with what I'm talking about. So that's, that's why I've read some of that stuff was just to to know about it, but I I don't find it to be helpful. It seems that some of that stuff, like a lot of the list and the, the books and it, it almost like keeps people spun up 
and almost keeps them like in this constant analytical inventory. And they just stay spun up in the problem instead of moving forward and changing. So I don't know. I mean, that just kind of is, is my take on it instead of claiming the power of God and claiming that, Hey, I can change and moving forward and being excited about that. They just kind of stay, I don't know, spun up is the best term I can come up with. You got any experience with that uh, deputy D? Uh, <laughs> well, I have a lot coming out right then. I was trying to hold back. Um, one of the, things that came to mind is what you know yeah there's books there's books on everything that we talk about in AA and if, and if one if one treatment center doesn't make it then another one will and I mean it's everywhere and you can find all kinds of information <clears throat> but when you've got a sponsor that's done it that's usually the most helpful um a, a sponsor that's done it out of the big book and when you said analytical it made me think he's talking about that fourth column isn't he I don't know. I don't know. I'll write it any which way. I don't care if it has columns or not. I could care less. All Show I me the fourth column. All I care is that all, all the answers on, on to those questions get on paper. Mm -hmm. That's right. And that was that was uh two two mentors that I highly respect uh had me do that. And so so We've already made all these lists, though. If you're referring back to the objectionable items, they're already written down, and you can say they're fourth column, or you can say we found they that was the it was the answers to all the questions. It was whatever. It was the prayer that came out of the inventory. Whatever that showed up, and there it is in black and white, or red and white, or ink and white. I don't care what color. But I like it written, by the way. I'm just going to throw that in there. Um, I feel weird when it's typed, really weird. But that's okay. If somebody's got to do it, I'm okay because a lot they don't teach a whole lot of handwriting in schools these days. So, <laughs> right. Just saying. Just saying. Maybe what? they don't know how. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they. I. You, I mean, we got to get used to that because. Kids yeah. today and the young people, they're everything they do, their whole life is is with a keyboard. Mm -hmm. And um, hell, I mean, if it got, but here's the cool thing about that. If you've got somebody looking at step six and they've typed it up and this, you made me think of this, um, Susie, from one of your other talks. Um, I can't remember how important it is that um, if somebody's doing that work and they're incarcerated, the chances of them, of them ever doing it again, if it gets taken or lost, is probably 99%. They won't ever attempt it or do it again. And that is somebody that a fella who did get sober with the our, our, our friend told me, because he used to guide me through these situations. Like, well, she's got an inventory. What are we going to do? She's going to get it taken because they got a lockdown and all this stuff's happening and she's in the middle of it. Please, he'd say, please go to the admin and ask him if they would return her inventory to her, that it could be life saving because she may never write it again. And I would step out of my box to do that stuff. It scared the daylights out of me, but I always would. And those are the kind of things. I mean, I don't know if she could have gone on without it, really, or if she would have written it again. I don't know. But I did a lot of stuff by mail 
uh, sponsoring people that were incarcerated. Step six was always easy by writing because you're actually already writing yeah. it. So do we work on our character defects? <laughs> Shank, you working on your defects? Working on it. I'm working on practicing the opposite. But, and it's yeah, not to it's, make fun of, you know, it is really not to make fun of people that are doing that. There are plenty of things that I have done as an AA member uh, and I've been able to stay sober through all of it. It was not until someone who had more time than me, either um, as a joke, lightheartedly pointed something out like, well, hey, that doesn't even make sense. You know, you don't have to be working on your character defects. And I was like, oh, you know, I think you're right. So it's not to make fun of people. It's funny. Yeah. It's funny. So so that's the thing that because in the next in the next step, it talks about the defect of character mm -hmm. and not character defects, but a defect of character. And if you look at that, you've got character. OK, you've got you've got something. You may have just abused it. I don't know. I abused my <laughs> maybe maybe we'll go back to that. Uh, that uh, being decisive was really abusive. And it became a control freak thing. But then when I realized, am I beating somebody over the head with it? Or could I be using it for better? Am I, I am able to make a decision and, and be kind with it. And that's what this was about for me is being kind and not beating somebody over the head with it. And it became a, it became a part of me. It wasn't removed. It was just changed. And um, so every single defect of character had to be looked at. Yeah. Are you working on yours, Jay Wayne? I am not. You don't have any. But but it works if any? you it works if you work it. Um. <laughs> no, it's yeah. I'm working on them every day. Here's 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 something for you. Along those lines, so I have. I had like participated in these day long workshops specifically on step six and seven. Um, I've had, you know, people, I've heard people say that they're living in six and seven. I don't know if you ever heard that or not. Um, and I, I don't know if I ever believed any of that stuff. I, even though I participated in it, but I've had a, kind of a drastic shift in, in just thoughts about all of it over the years is that I think that step six is that those, that step is it, it's activated by 10, 11 and 12. Bingo. And that, yeah. I don't know how this, I don't, I've never been able to quite, it's very clear to me how to, what I'm saying, but I don't know how to exactly describe it, but I'm, those steps are activated by my willingness and my, my ability to work step 10 and 11 and 12. So if I'm constantly looking at me and taking my inventory and talking to somebody about it and going to God, asking for help, and then, you know, praying for power, it's one thing that we, we don't talk about much in Alcoholics Anonymous, but step 11 is all about asking for power to, to help people power to live in God's will. And, then 12 says practice principles in all of our affairs. So 
I got to look at myself. I've got to go to God. I got to go to another person, maybe for some help. And it, it says that in 10. And then I practice a principle. That's, I mean, to me, that is the, I mean, that's the highlight of, of being willing to change. And so that's where I, so to answer your question, no, I'm not working on my character defects. I woke up this morning and I asked God for help. I asked God to clear my thinking and I've been trying my best to, to practice his will and not mine. And, you know, if I make a mistake, I'll try to clean that up. But I think that the 10, 11, 12 really activate those steps that if it, it's an, again, it's another one of those things. If I, if I stay there, I just stay stuck. I can't grow. I, I limit what the power will do for me. So that's kind of my take on that. I, um, I saw Debbie light up a little bit there. She might have something for you on that. So everything's like a precursor to 10, 11, and 12. I mean, in step four, we've learned how to do inventory. So therefore we can do it every day. 10 tells us to. 11, I mean, this is so, so three, six, and 11 are so tied together. And in 11, if you practice 11, which I'm going to say most of the people I know in AA don't practice 11. That's that's right. Yeah. I, I can tell you probably <laughs> 90% of the people I know do not practice 11. And I will say that 11 will turn your world upside down. Yep. It has mine. It's not what I, it's what I least expected. It's nothing. Everybody's like, well, how can it do that? And I'm like, well, just try it. <laughs> if you're answering it's the too question, simple. Yeah. It's, Have you ever done it? So yeah. simple. And, and sometimes when we get off track, like I may have a sponsee that, that might um, not be disciplined and wants to get redisciplined. We'll do it together um, at night or after work. I used to have trouble doing it at night. I would do it right after work. Um, and I would do it at different times of the day. And then I would have my list in the morning. Um, my meditation, I, I, I strive to do an hour a day of meditation. I wake up at 6 a.m. every single morning. I start off with 20 minutes right off the bat and I'll do 20 minutes a night. And I try to somehow fill in 20 minutes through the day. My life is dependent on my meditation. I will tell you right now, without a doubt in my mind, if I had to pick a step, it would be, well, I mean, for life. 11, not to talk about, <laughs> I'm just meaning through 11 to live, to survive. Um, it, it, it's everything goes, it's just like, it's just like everything goes back to step one. Everything goes, it, it's this wave that goes back and forth. And, you know, if you want to work on your character defects, go right ahead. You might find out more than what you think, but don't, if you're, if, I mean, I don't know if people who stay in it that long, but I do have people say they live in 10, 11, and 12, Jerry. Yeah. So they skip this part here. And, and I'm like, well, 10 and 11, 12 is great, but are you working with people? Or then you have the two-steppers. You don't do anything between 1 and 12. Now, they can be good. They can be powerful. I've seen it. I've witnessed it. They usually play cards. And they will take. They will That's take, the Alano Club. There's one thing I do like about them. Well, some of them. They will, I, when I get a drunk call in the middle of the night, so I've always been the person that would sponsor the people that nobody else would. I don't know why I, I, I was told by a sponsor earlier, George's wife, we sponsor those that, that are sponsor sponsored that are not sponsorable. 
And I would get the call in the rain, somebody standing in a phone booth. We didn't have cell phones back then. And, and I would go get her. And this happened so many times with specifically three different drunks in my life. We would come back to my house. We would sit at the kitchen table. It'd still be dark. It's Sunday morning. And we would go through the steps all the way to the point she was ready to make amends. For hours at our table, the sun would come up. She was ready to stay sober. I would take her up to the salvation. They had a bed. I would meet her back up there that night to take her, take her some clean socks or whatever. And she had already left. And that happened time and time again. But, you know, I stayed sober. But she actually got this experience one day of peace. And again, that's what I'm after. I felt the peace and I felt her freedom. Now, whatever reason why she had to go back and leave where she was, I don't know. But I had three people that I worked with like that all the time. And I still love them to this date as much as I did then. Anyhow, who got me off on that? I don't know, Deb. Well, oh. Gracious. Good story, though. Thank you. <laughs> So, Shank, if you were working the steps with somebody today and they did the fifth step, what would be the instruction? Uh, going into the sixth step? Yeah. You know, it used to be, I do, once again, I do think that there was a period of time where I was just like a, a okay, what I do today? I'll just talk about what yeah, I do today. That's, is, yeah, that's um, what I was asking. You know, I just took a few women through, um, the steps we got to six and seven and they had some experience with reading other materials and wanting to really intellectualize and um, make this like a, like a PhD program of AA in six and seven. And, um, you know, I just, I, I can't do that. That's not for me. So getting to this, uh, getting to the sixth step, just going through the book, reading, taking that quiet time from the fifth step, you know, it's not like you have to wait a set amount of time. I've never been told that to my knowledge, but saying the prayer and then moving forward um, to the seventh step, you know, making sure being willing, wanting everything to be taken. If there's something that you would rather not, Praying that God will give you that willingness. But, you know, for me, it's always, I've, especially the first time going through the steps, I wanted to stay sober more than I wanted to drink. So I was willing to do whatever I was told. And even though I didn't have like, you know, I had many women helping me. The one I did the third step with was on meth. Like none of that mattered because I wanted to stay sober and I had a higher power. You know, I prayed to that higher power for help. I meant it when I prayed it. I had the willingness and, um, you know, I was, I've kept moving forward. So yeah. to me, it doesn't even really matter. I mean, I love having a solid sponsor for sure, but the times that I didn't, it really didn't matter. Yeah. I wonder if meth girl stayed sober. She did not actually. Did not. I actually okay. kept up with her. She ended up going back to prison. She's been out for a while now and has three kids. So she's been clean now for, I don't know, five years, maybe. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's, uh, y'all want to move into meeting shrapnel? Let's do it. Let's do it. What's our first shrapnel, Shank? Our first shrapnel, Debbie. 
is the pink cloud. Ooh. So what's up with the pink cloud? Okay, well, do you want me to say something about it or just Oh yeah. Listen? Yeah, I've never really listen, I understand well, the sentiment I think is like you get sober and everything is so amazing. That was not my experience. So I'm just assuming that's what it means. Like you get sober and you're on the quote pink cloud of everything's great. Well, I can say I was in a cloud a lot. Sometimes it was gray, sometimes it was pink, sometimes <laughs> it was always a cloud. I didn't even get clear until I was nearly five years sober. And by the way, Susie, you don't have to wait till you're 30 years sober to have peace and freedom. Cause I heard you saying, y'all talk about her being the baby. She didn't, she's, so even somebody with a year or two years and they're starting to experience the pink cloud and they're like, don't worry, it's gonna go away. Um, I've never really used that term so much, but I do know that in relation to it, it's like describing a spiritual experience. And so I don't knock it. I, it's not in the big book. I'm sure it's in one of these many books. Somebody's probably printed something about it. There's probably a whole book written about the pink cloud. But what I do understand is when they, when they talk about being on the pink cloud and they don't always have words, like I know I don't always have words for that experience I just had yesterday. I'm like, I got to give it a month before I can even tell anybody about this. Sometimes people say it's on the pink cloud. So whether it's, it's, I don't know if it's something that we give people to strive for because I didn't get there. I was, I was like this in my first five years, there was, I was foggy all the time. Um, it took a lot of work to come out of the, the fog. And then when I'd have clarity, then it would get all fogged up again. So I think just feeling good in the beginning, and it might've been a relation to a spiritual experience for some people, but it's just something I've never really used, but I don't care if somebody uses it. Um, yeah. I just don't want to mislead people that it's there, you know? Yeah. I, I think that it, I've always heard it used in terms of like it, it's scary. They're scaring people with, with the way they use it. So they'll say like, Oh, you're on that pink cloud. Be careful. And it's almost like they're telling people that, Hey, your experience of your, of feeling better and your experience of having your spiritual experience is not real. It's temporary. It's not going to last long. And they, I mean, they'll, they'll use it to like, Oh, be careful. You're going to fall off that pink cloud and you're going to, you know, go back to drinking or you're going to fall off that pink cloud and not feel good. And I've always used it heard as more of a, it's like this fear tactic. So I, I mean, then maybe they use it differently. People use it differently, but hell, he, but Tom used to say that, that he, he got on a pink cloud and never got off of it. That's and, right. Yeah, for 60 something years. And that's, mm -hmm. that's more of, if you're going to talk about it, that's probably how you want to say it. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, um, I, I would, I know when people get sober and they start feeling better and their life starts getting turned around a little bit, they, that that's real. We shouldn't like try to scare people out of, you know, yeah. being Absolutely. sober or, or, or knowing that they can, can, can be different. But then on the other side, I mean, there's people that get sober and I mean, I was glad to get sober, but my circumstances weren't ideal. And 
I stayed sober through it. But it's not a term I would use. Shank, you like it? <laughs> I just, I didn't hear it until I was probably two or three years sober. And so by the time I heard it, I think I just didn't understand it. Just like now, I, the people that I hear use it, it does sound more like a, like you were saying, kind of like a fear, you know, like that'll end like this too mm -hmm. shall pass. Right. Like, yes, that's right. Um, and the freest and the, and the closest to God I've ever felt, um, was when I was incarcerated, you know? So it's kind of like my circumstances didn't get better, but I had this spiritual experience. I had this time with God to really form that relationship and they kind of conflicted, um, mm -hmm. but they were happening simultaneously. So I, I guess I just haven't understood the pink cloud. I just yeah. maybe it's the meaning. It sounds like the meat, the meaning behind the pink cloud, because if I heard somebody belittling somebody about being on the pink cloud, I would probably go and when's the last time you were on the pink cloud? It's probably the say, <laughs> yeah. you know, if somebody's having experience and their life is changing and they feel good because they're actually seeing their children, I can say, you know what? This can last forever. That's Don't right. Anybody tell you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's normally how I say I've seen it used. So I, what do y'all think? I'm, I think we should, I, well, I'm going to scrap it. Debbie, what do you think? Do you want to keep it or you want to scrap it? I just, think because of newcomers it's something that they have and it to them it's the only way they can say they're having a spiritual experience now I, plus if somebody Maybe. doesn't like it, oh my <laughs> god if somebody doesn't like it i ask them when's the last freaking fourth step they've done what, what happened to being decisive well, that's my decisive moment is what do you have when's the last time you grew uh by writing a fourth step I know. I hate to give it up just because of the new people that love it. It's so pretty. <laughs> we even have a we even have a pink chip now out here. Oh, that, yeah. uh, no, 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 no. It's the no. pink cloud chip, Debbie. Oh. Uh, you can't have it Debbie, both ways, right? How can you have it both ways if you you're agreeing with it, but you won't let us have a chip for it? Okay, so so let's, let's see. Let's see how we can look at this. Uh, I would say we, if we all wrote an inventory on the pink cloud right now, mm -hmm. da, 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 and we were to look at that and say, is it being helpful? I don't care about the old timers. I really don't. If they want to abuse it, that's their problem. But I care about that new person who feels like their life is changing and to pull that away from them. I don't know. I, I just don't see that it's harmful to a new person. And maybe there are some people like, oh, you're going to fall off the pink cloud. I just hope they say that in front of me. But not, okay. It may not be harmful, but it's not helpful. I mean, why not just say you're having a spiritual experience? Why not just say you're feeling good? As pink Shank, as pink. Make a decision, Shank. <laughs> Scrap Debbie's it. Not <laughs> All right. I'm, I'm refraining from participating. <laughs> you can't do that on all of them now. That's just a, that's an easy oh. way. Out. I know we know you don't want to offend anybody, but you're given permission. So. Well, I just class. offended most of AA by saying if say it in front of me. I'm <laughs> probably going to hear it for the rest of my life. It's out of here.
All right, what's next? Next, we have it works if you work it. Ooh. What do you got, Jay Wayne? <laughs> oh my goodness. I know I've said it probably thousands of times. <laughs> it's dumb, though. I mean, it's like, I don't know. It's an accurate statement, but what do you, I mean, what are you working? It works if you work it. I think it's just another kind of a juvenile treatment center statement that it's not, it just, it doesn't provide any value to anybody. You know what I don't like about it works if you work it is after you say the prayer and people yank on your hands and they say it. They're like, it works if you work it. And you live it every day. Hey. (laughs) I don't like that. Don't yank on my hands. I don't like it. Yeah. (laughs) Debbie, what do you think? Grab it. Oh, yes. That's decisive. Nice. This one here can bring actual harm. Because it also insinuates that if you go back out, just come back. Mm-hmm. And and I'm not here to tell people that it's safe for you to go back out and come back. That's just not my story. I've seen too many people die. Um, I think this one, uh, if it works, if you work it, I've always felt uncomfortable. Oh, my God, here I go. I've always felt uncomfortable with it. Um, I don't really use it that I can remember that I've ever used it with a, a sponsee. Good. Good. Um, so it's always felt uncomfortable. And so here you go. You got an outlet. Don't use it. It's use something else. Use something like, uh, oh God, there's some other shrapnel I keep thinking of now, but I, I, I'm, uh, <clears throat> you know, I, I don't know. Find something else to, to put in place of it because people have a habit, yeah. habit and you'd have to give them a new a new thing, maybe something out of the big, give a challenge to somebody's home group. What could we use besides it works if you work it? Okay, well, we may have to put a challenge out to replace it works if you work it. I'm going to make nice. a note of that. Yeah, I say scrap okay. it. Yeah. Jay Wayne? Scrap. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, definitely scrap. So our right. next shrapnel was a um, listener's submission. Oh, so if yeah. you have any shrapnel that you hear out there in your home groups or other meetings, feel free to email us your shrapnel. Uh, so the last one is when you take the alcohol out of the alcoholic, you still have the ick. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> what does that mean? Uh... Is that the same thing as, uh, is that the same thing as um, untreated alcoholism or is it the same thing as a dry drunk or all the other things that people say that when they're in AA and they don't do work? I don't know. Um, I kind of, when I heard it, I, heard I took it, it as, it. I took it as someone who's a dry drunk. That's what it sounded like to me. Those you know, my- like if you take the alcohol of the alcoholic comma and they do zero work they only show up to meetings don't work any steps and talk about how great their life is then you still have the egg 
that's kind of where I would put it, I think. That's my favorite people to work with, though. I mean, are we going to take that away from How will it be? Because you'd like to see people that have been, I worked with a guy for 10 years who never, ever wanted to quit drinking. And he stayed dry. He was in Iowa. And, you know, he tried so hard. He, now, he didn't drink, but he tried so hard to get the peace and the freedom. Now, I'm going to tell you, I'm scrapping this, but, uh, or, or my vote is to scrap it, but he, um, he suffered greatly. And so I always talk about peace and freedom. And you have these people that are sitting around untreated or dry drunk or whatever you want to call it, the ick. Um, but, you know, instead of that, you could replace it with, how about some, some peace and freedom? That's always what I like right. to hear about. Mm -hmm. so you know, scrap them, replace it with something. Well, I find that those are always the people I work with. Also, I sponsored a woman who had been sober a couple of years and then I, I've sponsored her for a couple of years and she was just amazed that we were just going to read the book, you know, and do what the book said. And then I invited her to a step study and she was just amazed at the things that were being talked about. And those are my favorite people to work with. But also once she went through the steps, they're also the people that fire me because everything comes back to the big book and they don't like that. I just find it like very interesting. Um, Kind of how that works out. It's like you work the steps out of the big book and then check it off and then continue living your life. Um, or not you, but these women that I sponsor. So I guess that would be um, taking the alcohol to the alcoholic, but still having the ick. What do you think, Jerry? I, I don't know what it means. I I actually have heard a few people say this. Not It's not a... Not often, but I'm, I'm sure I've heard it a few times. I mean, I guess it, yeah, I don't know. It says if you, it's probably talking about untreated alcoholism, I guess. If you mm -hmm. quit drinking and don't do anything else, you're, well, you're probably not going to stay sober. Number one, I don't know how you can just remove alcohol from somebody and they, they stay sober without doing something else. But, um, I mean, I guess if you, if you look at it as if you just quit drinking and don't take the steps thoroughly, you, you're going to continue to stay sick. I don't know. I Well, there's a message in it, Jerry. It's a, what is it? It's a message that you can just come to AA and not drink. Correct. That's kind of what I was trying to say, Harmful. but I couldn't get the words. Yeah, that's exactly Harmful. what it says. Yeah. Harmful, harmful thing. Yeah. Very so, harmful. So when you talk about untreated, like my dad, he heard that for many, many years. And he maybe had six months when he died. He had been trying to get sober for 50 years mm. um, wow. at that time. Yeah. 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 So, you know, what message are we carrying with these? And that's that's one that mm, I think it's it's not a message of peace and freedom. It's not. Well, you scrapped it early. I'm going to scrap it. So, Shank? It's out of here. There you have it. There you have it. And I think we will throw a challenge out to the to the audience to come up with a new slogan in replacement of it works if you work it. So, all you slogan slingers out there, 
send us your best <laughs> send us your best option on that um, how am i going to hear about this i want to hear about this oh we're gonna, we'll, uh, we're gonna forward the emails to debbie and she will respond to you that's right no, whether no, or not no. she likes it. it's her <laughs> challenge no no it's her challenge debbie yeah. will let Did you know it? no no <laughs> we'll, we'll keep you in the loop don't worry and we'll we'll see if you approve it or not. It's Susie, gonna be, I'm gonna call, I'm gonna do something to make you write inventory, girl. So. <laughs> it'll be it'll be it's either gonna be Debbie approved or not. That's right. All right. We had a lot of fun with Otis doing that. So we did. Yeah, I liked Otis. I liked hearing him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Otis was a very good Everybody's guest. Been great. Yeah, he lost his appeal though. For the well, I kind of have to say that I was kind of on Otis's side on that. Kind of kind of like like what what harm? What let's see which one was it? Well, what wait, so why didn't you vote? Because I really don't care. <laughs> I, I don't. I mean, if Deputy. somebody well, I mean, there's some things I care about, like the ones I've scrapped. That yeah. one it was like, well, it really wasn't bringing harm. What was it? What was it? Well, here's- Good early direction and group of Good early direction. I mean, Uh it's not harming it. Well, here's where we're at. So just so you'll know, it, the good early direction and group of junks as a group got voted out pretty substantially. But we have had several legitimate appeals Mm -hmm. to scrap group of drunks, but bring good early direction back. And if you go back and listen to the episode, me and Shank were kind of originally on board with that. We were willing to do that before we even put it out to vote. So Shank I shut it down. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Shank shut it down. But now Shank yesterday yep. kind of made a decision that maybe we need to revisit good orderly direction. And not and group of drunks. Your other guest, uh, Gigi, mm-hmm. said gift of desperation, I believe. Um, but the one thing that uh, there are some people that come to AA who are atheists. I've seen them have good, good sobriety, and they believe in the power of good. And I've loved them. I've fallen in love. They've stayed sober for many, many years, died in AA, okay? I I think that was a way to, for them to good orderly direction was something that was used, but I don't think it brings harm. And if it brings harm, the way I have to look at it is like, okay, what message is this carrying? Is it bringing harm? And I don't think it's taken anything away from God. I mean, God's going to be powerful and that might be the lead into God. If somebody doesn't have their relationship with the almighty God, like I do, like I know I'm in the back pocket the picture in the wallet okay you're on the right hand side of god definitely. The right hand i'm <laughs> at the right hand of the cross now I, I mean i can talk like that all the time and and i just like i have to look at where's the harm yeah good orderly direction bring well, it back we, notice you were right my dear no, all right. we, it, may we, be, it, it may be shrapnel 2.0 but right. we'll see it's not back yet. Don't listen to deputy. And we look more at, is it helpful? So there's, there's the question. So it could be helpful. So that's the thing. If it's not harming, I really don't care. (laughs) (laughs) Debbie, we have thoroughly enjoyed having you on today. It's fun. It has been fun. We, uh, 
we're I'm probably going to have to bring you back on season two. Um, if you're listening, you got three examples here of three folks that have been sober since their uh, first meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous. We've not found it necessary to uh, go back to drinking, that what we have found here has been permanent so far. And um, remember, we're free. Freedom! Thanks for listening. If you have a comment, suggestion, or just need help, you can email Shank and Wayne at freedom at alcoholicsalive.com. Remember, we're recovered members of Alcoholics Anonymous, but we do not speak for Alcoholics Anonymous, nor do we get paid. Join us next week for another great episode.